I really do believe that this is a moment for learning training that could see a transformation that benefits learners. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. A good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello there and welcome to the show. I am Ben Eubanks and I'm really glad to have you here with me today. We are, goodness, the show is on Amazon, Music, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you'd want to find us. You're listening to us right now in your own favorite player probably, but feel free to share with friends, let them know about the show, let them know your favorite episode. Go ahead and post that out there on social media, however you want to do that. I really would appreciate it and I know that, goodness, the work we do here is meant to improve the lives, support the needs of the learning, the talent, the HR professional in the trenches. And so if it's helped you in some form or fashion, share it with somebody else. Maybe it'll help them as well. There's plenty to go around. And uh, this year is the year of hope. I had a call earlier with a customer and we were talking about what this looks like, what's ahead. And one of the things that she said was, this is a year of hope. And I wrote that down. I love that concept. I'm a very optimistic person anyway. And I'm just pumped about what's ahead, not just here on the podcast, but broadly. For example, quick note, we have quietly launched, we're going to make up some big ruckus pretty soon. We've quietly launched this new tool for HR leaders called My HR Fit. And it is an assessment tool that's designed to help you understand your work preferences, your styles, how to align that with finding a job, getting the most out of the job you have now, or even interacting better with your team if you're a leader of HR professionals. And so the difference is there's plenty of assessments out there. The difference is this has questions that are specifically focused on the work we do as HR professionals, right? The work that we have to do, the, the time we have to spend, and then the output, the report that you're going to get has specifics in there related to that as well. So this isn't a generic, you know, you have a strength here and we're just going to tell you to go do that strength thing, but it gives you ideas about where within the HR bubble you might work best or how to align your strengths or, hey, if you're in an area that's isn't as much of a fit, it makes you aware of that. And it might help you to understand why that causes stress or how to deal with that as well. So some really fun things, some fun applications. We're going to be really focusing on that this year. This is not a one hour multiple choice um, assessment. Thank goodness we used some of the science there to pick the most targeted questions and adapted those for HR usage. So you can learn more at myhrfit.com. That's myhrfit.com. If you're listening to this early in 2021, when this is going live, again, quietly for now, but louder later, we are giving away a free book with every purchase, a really interesting book called Happiness Track that looks at some of the myths that we have at work. It is written by a phenomenal woman who does a lot of research into happiness at work, what it leads to, what leads to it, how to get there. And um, so we're giving away a copy of that with every single purchase. We'll ship that right to your doorstep. So myhrfit.com if you want to check that out. Now, today's episode is all about learning, learning and performance. So it is my take on the world that learning is about performance at the end of the day. I had someone recently that wanted to argue about that a little bit. They said, no, no, learning is about engaging people, right? About making them excited or making them happy. 
I said, you know, honestly, it's much cheaper to buy someone some pizza or ice cream than it is to develop training, deliver it, measure it. So learning is really about driving performance at an individual level. And then we look at that at the top level from a company perspective. If every single one of our people were performing 5% better, 10% better, 50% better, that leads to massive outcomes at a company level. And so learning is about performance. We're going to talk to Simon over at Lucidot today about how they're supporting this, how they're making this happen. And uh, it's just a fun conversation. He's got an awesome accent. You know, I'm always a sucker for that, being down here in the southeastern United States. I talked to someone the other day that said that I had a great accent. And so I love that. Um, and today, today, not getting out as much to events and things physical events these days and so it's fun to have some conversations and connect with people around the world so i hope you enjoy the conversation let's dive in all right everyone welcome to the conversation today i am ben eubanks host we're only human and i'm really excited we've been having some different conversations lately in the learning space which is so much fun for me it's an area that i really love and today's going to be another one of those i have with me simon green who's the chief product officer at elucidot we're going to talk about learning, we're going to talk about learning content, we're going to talk about how to create experiences that really drive learner engagement. I'm so excited about it. Simon, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Ben. Really good to be here. Absolutely. So before we dive into all the, the fun learning nerd stuff we've got planned for today's discussion, why don't you tell us a little about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Simon Greeny. I'm, I'm one of the founders of Elucidat. So we're responding to a challenge faced by uh, many organizations, and that is that HR can't keep up with the constant demand and need for business critical training. Um, especially now that change is the norm for almost any organization on the planet, everyone's got to respond to these changes, communicate those and support people. Uh, so Elucidat um, is an e-learning workflow platform, which makes it easy for large teams to produce quality online learning at scale so that businesses can respond to that change more quickly. So unlike other tools in our space, we focus on workflow so that L&D can empower experts from across their organizations to share business critical knowledge. And that means we're able to support the production of customized online learning at a huge scale, unprecedented scale. Wonderful. So you mentioned a couple of different things, little threads I could pull on here from something as as like nuts and bolts really focused on just the how-to like the workflows piece all the way up to big picture how do we give people the things they need not just to make them feel better right not just to help them be engaged at work but to actually empower the business to perform and meet the objectives that it needs to so we could tackle and hopefully we will today in discussion dive into some of those things but i'd love to hear from you there's all kinds of different conversations happening in our space which ones are you paying most attention to right now what are you most excited about yeah so i think Obviously, we are in a very strange year with the coronavirus pandemic. So I guess the biggest sort of shift at the moment is this digital transformation of learning that we're seeing. I think it's, I've been an advocate of online learning for over 17 years, you know, very much in this space. I'm passionate about it, Uh, but it's definitely not been the go-to kind of training method to date. It's uh, it's either done at a very niche way, at high expense, or as a kind of a cheap, cheaper way of training. Now there's no choice. It really does mean everyone needs to stop and look at how that online learning thing does take place effectively. So that is really exciting to me because it means it's been taken seriously. It's taking center stage um, and it has to work. That is something as a company that we're passionate about. This isn't, it's not a means to just stick more content out there, spam people with stuff and just hope for the best. This is about delivering stuff that does have that organizational impact. 
So um, I think, you know, for, for me, it's seeing that customers are going through this transformation and becoming more mature in the way that we think about these tools and technologies that we're using to actually, actually think, how do we check this stuff is having that impact that we're looking for? Uh, and how do we look for that? So over many years, of course, we've got the LMSs showing a certain kind of consumption data back into organizations and in HR. But we're seeing organizations testing that what they're going to be doing is having an actual kind of learning impact. Basic design techniques like A-B testing, control groups, people really starting to look at what they're doing and what's going to perform most effectively. I think there's a lot of data from the beginning of the pandemic, which shows that people are going and doing online webinars. They're doing very much take the classroom training, stick it online in a kind of a like for like. And I think that's always a classic mistake that organizations have made historically with digital being a almost a conversion of a real life thing when it should actually be something different and playing to the strengths of digital so really seeing organizations looking and starting to evolve and adapt and be more mature in the way that they're thinking about using digital so that for me is what is exciting at the moment that it's getting that kind of attention it needs but also being held up under the spotlight to make sure that it's actually working at the same time you gave a little bit of a hint here, but I want you to reiterate it a little bit. You said that's not just about taking this thing we've always done and just recording it and now putting it, putting the cloud somewhere so people can access it. It's not the same thing. We can't just try to recreate this other training experience by just posting it on the internet. Just do it, just do a webinar and we're all done. Yeah. I'm about webinar out and I don't know about you, but that's been the push and the, it seems, oh, that's an easy transition, but you said it's not the same. And I'd love to hear from you why, not just why it's not the same, but also why the other options, the other tools that are available could make that experience not just different, but potentially better. Yeah, I think something we've resisted in our own product over the years is this request for PowerPoint import. It's actually something that other tools in our space do, but we think that means you are just literally sucking in something that's designed to support someone in an actual classroom who's embellishing on those PowerPoint slides to deliver something of value to the, the audience. Just to st stick that online, it kind of cuts away a lot of the rich experience that was there in the first place. It's not enough. Something more needs to happen in, in that kind of process of taking one from the other. Or in other cases, we may see where you have detailed subject matter experts will want to put as much detail online as they can. But there's a lot of research and evidence collected over years and decades now about how we learn and consume content differently from the, the internet and from the web. So we will read more slowly. The whole shift we've seen websites go through is to greater elegance and simplicity over the recent decade. And that kind of user experience, which uses people's time effectively, is just so key in that kind of transformation and serving up of something that's going to start to engage someone and be a good use of their time and not just to put the barriers down and be a kind of poorly designed experience. I love this transition between, so we're going we're gonna to probably do this a few times in the discussion today, between the experience for that learner at the end of the, at the end of this, the other end of this experience, or we're, we're developing and planning and deploying learning that's hopefully going to impact people. But at the other end of that is an individual who needs to, we need to confirm what they're doing is the right thing. We need to change their behaviors. We need to impact them in some way, impact their thinking in some way, not just to educate them. Again, I, I say that all the time. Learning, the impact of, goodness, I'm, now I'll say it, I'll mess it up. The goal of learning is not learning. The goal of learning is performance. We should be thinking about it through that lens and how we're going to impact that. One of, so we're talking about the, the two different layers there. 
one of the things that popped in my head as you were sharing a minute ago is I talked to a company back in April, so very early days of the world turning uh, upside down, and they were frantic. They, they had 20,000 employees, and they always did all of their training in person hands-on, you're right here in front of us. We've, you've got your assigned mentor, you've got your assigned trainer, you've got people and resources. And when they s- said, hey, wait a minute, we can't do that. Suddenly they were all scrambling around because they had pushed off on that for a long time. Just the PowerPoint thing you said a minute ago, right? They'd fought this advance for a long time because they felt like we've got the right way of doing it. It's working for us. We're not gonna upset the apple cart. And suddenly they didn't have a choice anymore. And they had to start thinking about it differently. And do they still want to do that? Sure. Do they still think there's an important social aspect of getting together? Absolutely. But when you suddenly can't do it and you have to think of alternatives, that's the that's when you don't want to be, you know, stuck behind the eight ball trying to figure this out. And you need to be exploring these things prior to all this. Again, for hindsight's 2020. But you should be thinking about these things from that perspective because suddenly learning is now center stage. The business is thinking is saying, hey, how are you going to how are you going to enable these people? How are you going to get them ready for performance from a business standpoint in this company's example I'm talking about. And the learning team was, was caught flat-footed, frankly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it has really caught some, it's, it's amazing actually the, the kind of reliance of face-to-face in really established organizations where, with, even in some cases with quite sophisticated ways of using digital already, just the extent of reliance on, on face-to-face and, and where that's left that whole area of things. Uh, we did a, a program earlier in the year, a, a kind of a free uh, skill-up program for people in face-to-face training kind of area to be become digital learning experts. It's something we've supported lots of people with before in the past, and we just did that as a gesture of goodwill then. And we had a, such a huge take-up. We exceeded our kind of webinar license for the, the number of people signing up and actually joining the webinar and it was quite um, amazing really to see that kind of appetite at the time and really a symptom of the times there about the change that organizations were going through to reskill, adapt and change um, rapidly into a digital kind of learning environment. You had said earlier things like experimenting and, and testing and, and doing things with content that you can do, doing things with a, again, a more comprehensive system, more comprehensive approach to this that you can't do as well or as easily with a, a live group in front of an audience standing up the trainer. There should be variables there, but when you're creating a piece of content, you can do some A-B testing. You can do some things to figure out which one is impacting people, which one are they actually staying in tune with, which ones are they connecting with on a different level. So there's so many different things with the digital learning piece that wrap into this conversation. And for, I'm hoping, my hope is that this is going to dramatically fast forward companies and their ability to think about learning, think about how to use that strategically, not just this, this is a patch, we'll get through this, let's just hold on a little longer, but permanently adapting and using some of these tools and things. I was going to say, and, and, and in doing so, it opens up, you're saying that kind of losing some of those kind of ways things were done. The benefits of asynchronous learning in, in a time where increasingly kind of work, working patterns are shifting anyway, becoming more flexible. People aren't in the same place at the same time. Uh, but they need to know things at the right time. And so there's these kind of opportunities to be there at the right time in the right place and served up in a way that supports that person more personally as well. You know, using slicing up content learning into a kind of a more modular way to get around people and what they need in that moment and to not waste their time. 
and to know that time is being really well spent and that just sticking them into a room isn't enough. I think we've seen some examples or heard of examples where training programs have been rolled out at huge time expense, productivity expense. So there's one program, $7 million a year in, in people's time. The data analysts went into it. This isn't one that we were involved in at all. It wasn't related to our technology, but the it, it wasn't effective. It wasn't driving that business performance or impact, but it just felt like a nice thing to have. People liked it. It just looked cool. And, you know, it's, it's not enough. You know, it, it's, it's got to actually track to something else and, and be held to account for doing that thing. So that's something that we're interested in. And the data and the, the way we would think about data now has really evolved, I think, over time in what's going to be useful to telling that story and providing those lead indicators. Wonderful. So one of the things that you just briefly touched on earlier that I'd love to, to bring the conversation to is you're serving companies by helping them get a handle on creating learning content that creates an impact. And I'd love for you to talk about how you're serving customers. Give us some more of the nuance of how the product works a little bit. We don't, you know, we're, we're not demoing anything. Obviously, we can't see what's going on, but give us some insight into how this works, what that flow might be, the kind of outcomes a company can expect out of it. I'm curious what that flow looks like for a customer and how they're using it right now to solve this real problem we've just really, we just defined pretty well. Yeah, great. Well, uh, yeah, we, we, we specialize in supporting kind of companies working at scale. So we've just gone over 20 million learners now, and we've collated lots of data um, and insight from that, from working with customers at such scale. How we're serving customers is to build bigger, increasingly bigger teams, actually. So we're seeing that L&D are able to go beyond their function to bring other people in from around the business. It's something we've heard from customers a lot over the years uh, and something we've been working on, but essentially enabling everyone to not only share knowledge, but to also learn so that learning can be scaled up in an organization by enabling a lot more people to be part of that process of generating that kind of content, that training uh, and sharing it with others. So for us, it's about splitting down a workflow that respects different people's contributions within the business. So you might have people who are subject matter experts, field experts who can be brought in uh, they're given tools from the centralized teams, which are very easy to use, but which ask them to bring information into the platform that's surrounded with design expertise. So we're not just dumping content or extracting content dumps from people around a business. It's about giving them a way of inputting stuff that leads to good quality interactive learning, which we have proven to be more effective through research. So it's about this kind of, it's about bringing, diff, identifying different roles and responsibilities in organizations so that these teams can work with huge complexity in tens of thousands of modules in their organizations. Other kind of roles that we have are localization roles. Some people call them connectors. So these are regional parts of the organization who can take centralized content, learning programs and adapt it for that local region. Uh, the advantage is being more personalized, more connected to what's going on in that part of the business. We've got quality assurance roles in there to be looking at making sure things are checked safely. We've got the L&D roles, which are the specialist roles who can set up things for the benefit of their entire organization. So how do you make something that's going to be high quality representative of the learning excellence in that organization so that they can control at a board level what's being done by the, the people across the business? 
So we've got, we're supporting teams of hundreds and hundreds of authors in organisations, which is quite, it's quite a shift really, I think, from the way things were done a few years ago, when things were mainly outsourced to agencies, really. So it's a lot more kind of empowerment of these organisations to own the learning, own the training and to manage that really complex process of bringing everyone together and putting it out there. Yeah. I was going to say, it's the agency or it's that one poor soul in the corner that everyone just dumps this stuff into their inbox. We need you to make this, we need you to make that. And they're yeah. please, like, no, just give me a minute to catch my breath here. And yeah. no, it's it's something else. There's, and they're trying to figure out which fire to put out first in terms of yeah. which which content to create. And it's hard to do that when you put all that, you saddle that one person, that one resource, that even yeah. you know, a shared set of resources with that inside the business. When you open that up, and you bring in the ability for others who are experts in different areas of the business to weigh in, to share their insight, to be able to plug that in without having to filter it through the person, but they get to put it, use the technology themselves and, and get that together. That's, that creates a different kind of lens and allows the learning team to be more, more strategic, I would say. There's a yeah, yeah. Yeah. really interesting piece of research we did a few years ago around learning content and strategy. And we found that companies that were high performing, which had better better business indicators, they were twice as likely to have a strategy around how they design and deploy their content. And I'm, I'm seeing like, this is a practical example of that. When we have people in the business who are experts, they're probably high performers, they're contributors in their own right. They don't wake up in the morning like, how can I fly under the radar and not be useful today? No, it's how can I use what I know to help other people in the business be better? And allowing them to contribute in that way is, again, that's my guess there, but that probably connects in with that, that picture of companies that are strategic about this, that are thinking about these things that leads to better performance overall, I would have to imagine. Yeah. Always, and it's, I think it's really inspiring to see how some companies are evolving these processes and, and thinking about how they can do more. You know, it's amplifying the effect that they can have, uh, you know, working with real authenticity as well by bringing it from in-house knowledge and expertise and it's quicker to get it to the learners who you need to learn i actually ran an agency for years myself and so i was one of the people that would have had the learning outsourced to me and that was frustrating that process because we would deliver stuff really great kind of projects but then we'd be the gatekeeper to any updates in the future and it that was frustrating you don't really want to if you're creative to be going back over those things again for from projects and and so we were just holding the whole thing up and it being costly, slowing it down, and it's just not—it's not the way to work. So this, the whole product really evolved from a way of doing good quality content more sustainably, and to not to put it into the hands of these organisations um, themselves. We're talking about different content uh, flavors of content, if you will, where they can come from, things like that, and we can also get content off the shelf somewhere. Sometimes it's custom. Sometimes we can just get some pieces over there, but it's always a trade-off. It's always a trade-off if you're building these things or using your resources in-house or those things. What are the trade-offs there that you're, you might be giving up if you just go out there and, and grab a piece off the shelf because it's cheap and it's easily accessible? Yeah, I, th I think there's a number of sort of problems that we see in organizations. What, one is that an off-the-shelf piece of content may not be relevant to that person. It's not authentic to the organization. It uses generic case studies, it uses library images, which are you know, very slick, just completely alien from the environment they're working in. And the question I would ask there is, how can you relate 
to a situation or a scenario if it doesn't even match the context you're sat in if you're in a warehouse somewhere a sort of grubby warehouse how you know, does it is this does this compute to your world that you're in and, and and therefore is it relevant to what you should be doing so i think the kind of the advantages of building in-house are that you can start to hit those messages and speak to people very directly and authentically but then also use their time really effectively because a lot of kind of generic kind of content will create will contain things that people don't need to know in their role it covers everything covers all bases which eats up choose up people's time and also that their retention of what is going to be important for their role and what they do in that organization again greater awareness of the employees how you, how they break down who, who needs to know what can help split up the kind of the, the learning that's being done to give everyone the right thing and i think you know the other thing is off the shelf is also kind of google you know a lot of the content isn't there in any way in the organization so people go to google and don't find the answers there because or they find the wrong answers on google <laughs> to the problem that they face and of course, much of the stuff that we also support is actually process, it's business critical knowledge. It's only within that organization anyway. So there is no other way of getting it. So it's important that it's shared and socialized as much as possible. So we've talked through a couple of different key parts of this conversation today from getting your people involved in the development of this and the power of that. We've talked about the impact to the business. We've talked about the importance of good design, things like that. Do you have an example or a story you could share of someone that you've, that uh, the, the team's worked with in the last couple of years that's, that's using this to solve some real problems and how they're feeling about that? Yeah, so we've got, on our website, we keep customer stories. One is uh, from a customer called SGS. So they're one of the world's leading testing laboratories. They've got 89,000 staff and 2,600 offices and laboratories around the world. So for them, there's talent development team needed to roll out new processes to all of those global laboratories uh, and so they brought in technical experts from across the business to build out a learning program so these are people that have never done anything like that before but they gave them the tools through Elucidat to enable them to create a really engaging learning program which was delivered within seven weeks so in that kind of seven week window the technical experts became digital learning designers through the tools and support they were given and they were able to share their, their knowledge with staff globally to take the pressure off those kind of central talent teams. And we're left with the skills to be able to repeat that process. Of course, a lot here is around the kind of tool we have. But what that organization has been able to do is a transformation um, of staff is very quick. So that the speed of that transformation is typically where we will see customers deriving a lot of value. Um, there's another one on there from Canopy Growth where they've seen a similar kind of been through a similar process where they've been able to quickly onboard people to enable them to respond to change more quickly. And uh, so, for example, there's a tool we recently brought in called Learning Accelerator, which is a, like a, a learning wizard. So it helps people make decisions about the best way that they can have an impact. So it pulls down what they're trying to do, what effect do you want to have on someone else. It, it asks you some questions to then start building a, a modality, a way of working that will support that transfer of knowledge from that person to someone else. So it does a lot of the kind of the design thinking for those people taking part in it, but really gives them then just the ability to almost suck the, the knowledge out of their head and put it online. So that's the kind of, that's, that's the end process of how, how we would evolve our product is kind of transfer of knowledge. 
Excellent. I, I just had a, this story popped in my head from years ago as you're talking about how to make people part of this, making how they brought in these different experts and leaders from within the business. Again, for the laboratory one, one of the things that popped in my head was this story from years ago, an organization that was, they had managers, they had a certain talent process that just, no, that always got complaints, had issues, frustrations. And every time it came around, it was this this big deal until it passed by for the year and it came back around again. And so they put all the managers in a room and said, okay, we can't leave here until we've all agreed on what this needs to look like. So all these managers had their chance to weigh in everything else. And they said, okay, when we leave, we've all agreed on this. We've all had our, our say, so we all put our thoughts in. So when this comes out publicly, we're all on board because we've, you had your say so already. And they said from then on, it was smooth sailing. And that's what I'm envisioning with some of these things where if, in some organizations, again, learning is tasked with this. We're going to try to build this thing that someone has told me they need, that I need to build, but I'm trying to translate what they know into this, and I don't know what they know. And so when they see it, they're going to say, oh, this needs to be that, and this is the wrong color, and it needs to look like that. By having, by eliminating that step and having them in the process of designing that, you you get over that piece of it. I said it earlier, but the learning team gets to really focus on measuring the outcomes and looking at those things that we always say we want to do. It's on our to-do list, but it's always too far down to get to because we're too focused on deploying, thinking about the content, designing the content, going back and forth with other SMEs because we don't have them in the process as true co-creators. We just see them as a resource to tap into. We just see them as real co-creators to change that, change that mindset, I think. Yeah, totally that. I mean, I think there can be a process of Chinese whispers and that can take place through those kind of elongated processes. But also by not immersing that person who has the knowledge in the in the process, they're not engaging themselves. So to be more personally invested in it means there's an accountability, which can also kind of drive up the standard in, in, in that kind of process. But I would say that the LD, they freed up to look at the, the effect, but also to then focus on the programs where they can deliver more value or also to support those experts as well by giving them setting up the kind of the blueprint templates which is what we enable those kind of experts to do or the, the layouts so they can build up their own templates and asset libraries themselves to then bring in the experts to utilize that kind of centralized expertise like a shared resource uh, shared service center almost for just design expertise because that's yeah. what that's what a lot of learning professionals are good at but again, if you don't know the you don't know the subject matter well enough, you just focus on here's what good design looks like. Here's how to use the tools that we have. Here's how to get the most out of this. Here's how we should structure that. Oh, here's another resource that you can tap into to to bring these two things together. These two great ideas that would be better together instead of being just the, the point person on the content. I love that. So if someone is is listening to the discussion today, they're like this. This sounds really intriguing. We could definitely use that. We're struggling with transitioning to this whole virtual learning world and we think we should get better at our content side bringing in our smes how can they get in touch learn more about the work that you and your team are doing yeah so we've got a lot of stuff on our website lucidats.com e-l-u-c-i-d-a-t so we've got lots of free resources we really want learning online learning to be impactful so there's a lot of stuff we give away around process design so that you can go and use that download we've got different kind of help guides uh, we're also doing this skill up program soon. There's details of that on the website as well. So that's a, a digital transformation skill up for face-to-face trainers to become digital learning experts. That's free. Please feel free to go onto the website to look for that. 
We also obviously offer a demo on the website as well. So you can sign up for a demo and a trial of the product if you did want to have a look at what we do. Wonderful. Simon, thank you so much for doing this. I love talking about this and you and I could probably chat for another hour or two if we needed to dig into some of the things that are happening in our space. I feel like learning is the real differentiator for employers as they're thinking about how to, again, not just survive, but how to thrive long-term. Any closing thoughts or comments before we wrap up? I think just to see it as, a, as an opportunity to do something new and exciting and to, and to see it as a moment for, for trying a different way of doing things, not to replicate what you were doing before. I really do believe that this is a moment for learning, training, that could see a transformation that benefits learners as well as the, you know, the, the people commissioning learning in organisations. So I think keeping an open mind to what the possibilities are right now and to be optimistic about the future. I love that. Open mind, optimistic. For those of you listening in, I hope you t- took some good notes today. Be open-minded, be optimistic until we catch you next time on We're Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com.